0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome
1: to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. One thing is for sure, we all have hot mess moments. I know I do, but today's guest shares hers, and in that she's created an absolutely amazing community, one that most of us can relate to. Today we're joined by Mary Catherine Backstrom. She wants us to know that it's okay to celebrate exactly. Where we are right now. She also wants to show us how God uses each mess in our lives to bring us closer to Him. She's recently released a book called Holy Hot Mess Finding God in the Details of This Weird and Wonderful Life. She's gonna talk about that book. She's gonna talk a little bit about life and her own personal struggles and how she's got to where she is today. We're gonna to hear that and so much more today on Connections. We're joined today by Mary Catherine Backstrom. She is an author and an influencer, best known for her viral videos and candid writing on family faith and mental illness. Now, one thing that's great about you is that you speak the truth and you speak it honestly. You don't hold back and you talk about some very touchy subjects, but in a way that people can relate to you. What made you want to start doing this? What led you online and to social media?
2: this, I actually kind of fell into the whole like Facebook living and vlogging, um, thing. I was a blogger for about seven years before Facebook live was created. And that makes me feel so old saying that, (laughs) um, when it rolled out, I was like, this is kind of fun. I think I'm going to just pop on and talk to my audience and see what happens. And, um, it turned out they really enjoyed the candid nature of my random daily shenanigans. And so, it kind of became a thing I did when something f- funny would happen while I was out and about, I would hop in my car and do a Facebook live. And that's why like 90% of my videos are in my front seat. Um, you know, I obviously parked, <laughs> but, um, the the most viral video ever is the one where I hugged the stranger at a gas station <laughs> and, you know, at the Wawa and that was just the craziest thing because I told the story and I expected like my mom and my friends to laugh at it. And then I just went about my day. And the next thing I know, I'm getting phone calls from friends. They're like, hey, um, this like radio station in Oregon just shared this. It has several million views. Like, do you realize what's happening?
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, that video for folks that haven't seen it, a gentleman washed your car windows. You were so mm-hmm. grateful. It was around Christmas. You went up and yep. hugged them. And was oh, it wasn't yeah. your car, was it?
2: No, oh, good Lord. I told him, I was like, you know, oh my gosh, I just love Christmas and humanity. And I gave him like a bear hug, which is <laughs> to be clarifying, it was pre-COVID. So that was a little, I mean, it wasn't normal, but it was more normal back then. <laughs> Um, And it was in that moment while I had my arms wrapped around this complete stranger that I realized he was washing his own car. That was a little (laughs) weird.
0: (laughs) Now, what I love about that, like you have almost a million followers on Facebook, tens of thousands (laughs) on Instagram. Usually that's where we go to like show our picture perfect selves, right? But you keep it very real on, on social media.
2: I have to. Um, For one, I'm a very bad actor. I tried. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I did. I really I wanted to be like an actress. And I, I went and tried out for all the plays in college and they told me it was not my gift. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the good news is that left me having to be authentic and um, I cannot play roles and my life is messy. And that's kind of the message that I bring, I think, to social media is that um, it's okay to share your rough around the edges stories. Actually, I think it's like what people prefer. We're all looking for a space where we can kind of um, take off the emotional spanks and be ourselves. <laughs>
1: emotional spanks. That's great. A lot of people do love you though, because you are extremely relatable, whether it be, you know, hugging the, the man in the no, Lord. Station, or any of the other stories that you've shared on there. Well, my favorite part about
2: sharing those stories is not just the fact that they, you know, go viral, which is always great when you're trying to build a platform. But my truly favorite part is all the comments that are like, oh, my gosh, that's something I would do. Or a story that's very similar. Like, let me tell you this crazy thing I did. That's my favorite part is like when we start being honest about the crazy mess in our life, we start finding people who are willing to share their stories with us. And that just creates such a great, authentic community.
1: Why do you think it's so hard for people to share that side of themselves?
2: I think that social media has really played into that. Um, I think that you know, over time, what we've started to see are um, our friends highlight reels and people that we used to not stay in contact with, you know, friends from school that like those relationships you know, two decades ago would just have faded over time and you would not have caught up with them. But now you see every single person that you've ever known and their life looks like it's just so perfect because- who, when they're like curled up in the fetal position in bed, having a bout with depression, is going to be like, you know what I should do today is share with Facebook how bad things are. (laughs) So, you know, all we ever see is the good stuff. And I think it, whether or not we mean to, we start to compare our own lives to it. And then we're like, ah, you know, maybe I should tuck this in a little bit and look a little bit nicer and act a little bit more uh, put together than really we are. Um, It's kind of sad too, right? Because we get on social media for the very purpose of making friends and building relationships, but what we're doing is kind of the opposite. We're putting Mm. ourselves in this role that we can't really fulfill in person. And so they're all kind of shallow and they're not authentic. And I think it makes us feel even more lonely.
0: So you have a brand new book out. It's called Holy Hot Mess. I love that. Uh, Thank you. My wife often refers to herself as a hot mess. I would disagree. (laughs) She's not, but that's what she says. Tell us about the book. Why you wanted to write this book then?
2: Well, it's, it's a similar kind of vein of um, I'm really trying to push people towards that authentic place where community is made. Um, but more so um, in the Christian faith, I feel like even more, there's like this level of this burden of I need to act put together, I need to have my life right. Um, Growing up in the church, I always felt like I did kind of have to zip myself up into this neat, unoriginal suit to like play a good role and be the good Christian girl. And um, I'm not saying that mess is like a great thing, you know, but we do have to share it in order to have authentic relationships. And so I started kind of brainstorming, like when I had the opportunity to write a book, I'm like, what one thing would I like to share with the world about myself and about my faith? And I think the coolest thing that I've discovered over all of these years is that when I thought my life was messiest and like, maybe God wasn't in it is when he was working the most. It's like, there's a construction site. We are the construction site and we assume that no work is being done. That's not the case. Uh, The most work I've ever seen, like looking back on my life is when things were so dang messy that I just couldn't see a way out of it. And so that's the vein of the book is I'm telling people, Hey, God's in the details of all the weird stuff that's happening with us. So let's keep talking about it.
0: Yeah, I like that because so often we feel, for one, like we already talked about, we can't share our real selves with others, with friends. But then even more, we feel like we can't come to God as our real selves. We're too messy for God, we tell ourselves, right?
2: Oh, and like, how sad is that? We really underestimate the power of grace. Like, there would be no need for grace if there wasn't this. And so it's like we we buy into all of it. We're like, yes, I need the grace. I love Jesus. All of this is so good but now I'm going to pretend there's nothing wrong with me. That's so hilarious. Like um, right. the example I use in the book is as a parent, I was um, ra- I'm raising two kids and I've potty trained both. Thankfully we're out of diapers. Hallelujah. Right. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that is like a major milestone when you're a parent, just because it's so dang expensive. And also, but then you move on to wiping the behinds and stuff, which is like another phase. <laughs> Anyways, um, my, my daughter would like hide behind the curtain in her diaper. And I'd be like, Hey, what are you doing? She'd be like, nothing. No. Okay. I know what you're doing. You're pooping your pants behind the curtain. This is very obvious to me. And it makes me laugh because I'm like, don't you realize as soon as you're done, you're going to come out and ask me to clean this up. Like, why are you hiding your mess? Mm, And I used to kind of judge my kid for that. And then I was like, Oh, hi, that's what you do with God. (laughs) Um, Like God totally sees you like behind the curtain with your mess. Like you're not tricking him. And then when things get really bad, you're like, hey, God, will you help me clean this up? And he's like, yeah, I've been watching you behind the curtain this whole time. I don't know why you felt like you had to hide this from me. That's
0: great. God (laughs) sees you behind the curtain, pooping your
2: pants. He he knows your mess very well. There's no sense in hiding it.
1: (laughs) Now that you've been able to share your mess with the world, what kind of response have you had and the ability to share your mess and your faith?
2: Mostly very positive. Um, and that has been very affirming for me. You know, when I wrote the book, I kind of poured my heart into it because um, I got the book deal. And then as soon as I sat down and start writing, the pandemic hit. And it was this weird time where all I had was um, me and this computer and a whole bunch of thoughts. And so I decided to just like, write more candidly than I've ever written before. And I felt fine with that until the book release. And then I was like, Oh wow. I feel very naked and exposed right now. (laughs) I put my whole self out there. We'll see what happens. Um, but it was very affirming because the messages I got in return were, you know, thank you so much for normalizing conversations about mental illness and marriage struggles and things that most people just aren't willing to bring forth. And, um, it it really affirmed that this was the right thing to do to kind of lead this charge of, Hey, y'all, let's be honest about the mess because for one, um, when we share it, then we can also share what God's doing in it. And like, let's not hide what God's doing in our lives because it's cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. I like how you split the book up into three parts. Part one, you are messy, kind of what we've been talking about, like our identity and parenting, but then part, Two, they are all a mess, love and friendship. Tell us uh, about that section and what that's about.
2: Well, my personality is I tend to have a whole lot more grace um, for others than for myself, but I feel like we all kind of, we go one way or the other. We're either very hard on ourselves and easy on others, or we're hard on others and we're easy on ourselves. But either way, grace should always be extended to both, both ourselves and other people. And they're two different learning paths it's hard to learn to love yourself. And once you get there, it's also hard to learn to love others. But the mess exists both in yourself personally and in relationships. And for us to actually thrive in our communities and thrive in true authentic relationships, we have to address that stuff. And so I talk a lot about grace chips in my marriage. Um, You know, a healthy relationship should pass grace chips back and forth. Um, You know, my husband's tired in the morning and the kids need a parent. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get up and handle this and give my husband a grace chip today. And then later in the afternoon, I tell him, hey, I'm done. I cannot like do one more thing today. Will you step in and kind of take the lead? And he gives that grace chip back to me. And so for me, a healthy relationship, it's acknowledging mess, but you're handing grace back and forth between one another. And as long as that's in balance, And that's such good stuff. That's where the good stuff is.
1: You're basically saying don't give in to the mess, but embrace who you are.
2: Absolutely. And we were all trying to get out of mess, but the reality is it's a broken world. And as long as we live in a broken world, there's going to be mess for us to get through. Um, We might as well start talking about it.
0: Yeah. And what a great reminder. Like, we don't know what other people are dealing with, right? And they might anger us about something small or something big but we don't know what's going on in their life and how we respond to those situations. It could be the first glimpse of grace they get. Maybe.
2: Oh, I love that. You said that I get a lot of um, comments on Facebook and they're like, how do you, as a person of faith um, you know, what, what is your approach with all of these like hundreds of thousands of people that are asking you questions? I'm like, well, here's the thing, especially on social media and sometimes out in the world, you really only have 30 seconds to a minute to be Jesus to somebody. Hmm. So what are you going to bring to the table? Are you going to bring judgment? Are you going to bring condemnation? Or are you going to give them some grace and some space for their mess? Um, because I know it drew me to Jesus, you know, and it wasn't the religiosity. It was his radical grace. And so, yeah, I mean, we've got to we've got to acknowledge that it's out there and then hold space for one another to be messy because and that's that's what grace looks like.
1: What have you learned about yourself throughout writing this?
2: Oh, I just, I I think I, I think a whole lot less, not less of myself, but I think about myself a little bit less now. (laughs) Um, Just because, you know, it's, there's so much beauty in other people's stories. I think that um, I have always had, especially during the pandemic while I was writing this book, it's very easy for your world to feel small um, and you can isolate yourself from relationships and from community and start thinking that really you're the only person in the world that matters. I mean, that's human nature. Um, but the more you get out and the more you kind of force yourself to have those interactions and really start loving on people and contributing to your community. Um, it's kind of cool. This, this cool thing happens where you really start thinking about yourself a lot less. You're thinking about others and it's just a healthier life. It's more
0: fulfilling. You uh, mentioned mental health and mental illness a couple of times. You've been very open about that in your previous writing and videos. And now in this book too, mm-hmm. what would you say to Christians listening that are struggling with mental health, but keeping that secret from others?
2: Yeah, I would, I would say, um, you know, please don't downplay the seriousness of mental illness. And this is why, um, you know, in, in churches, we generally embrace people who are sick and for instance, have cancer. We say, Hey, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for your treatment. But the assumption is you're going to go get treatment for your cancer. And I'm going to pray for you when it comes to mental illness. Sometimes there's this attitude of, well, you are just going to pray this away. Like, no, you need to also get treatment, treat it like cancer. There is a physiological, um, illness, but beh- that's actually a, you know, imbalanced brain chemistry that needs to be addressed there. I have survived cancer. I've donated a kidney and I have lived with mental illness. And the most wow. pain I've ever experienced was depression and anxiety. And so I would just say, you know, there is no shame and no lack of faith in seeking treatment for mental illness. You can be prayed for, and you can also seek treatment. I would encourage you to do both.
1: Why is everyone so afraid to share about that? Um, this conversation will go out there. People will listen and say, yeah, yeah. But there's still going to be that person sitting there going, I am so afraid to speak up.
2: I think that we feel like it's a failure of faith. Like somehow if we're having, there's this, there's scripture that says, do not be anxious of anything, but by prayer and petition. And I think that people have really exchanged their definition of anxiousness and anxiety. Biblically, I believe that we're talking about Um, don't be fearful and don't be doubting what God's doing. That's the anxiousness that we're talking about needs faith to cure. Um, Anxiety is a clinical term. It's a brain chemistry problem. And I think that sometimes in the church, we have a hard time embracing the difference. Like, Hey, it's okay for me to struggle with anxiety. It doesn't mean that I have a lack of faith. Um, There are forms of anxiousness that are emotional that we do need to pray through and work through, but anxiety and depression are not those things.
0: So many people feel like, um, yeah, medication or therapy mm-hmm. um, is not, it shows a weakness of faith, right? But actually it takes a lot of faith and courage to go get help, doesn't it? It's it's a good thing to do.
2: It does. And not only that, but God works miracles through healers and he has given us the science and the tools to really get cures. And I feel like that is just one of the ways he works miracles. It's so beautiful to me. And even one of the disciples was a physician. I can't remember who it is. Maybe you are better versed in that than I am.
0: Yeah. And Luke, Luke was a doctor. So,
2: yeah. So, I mean, I think that there's a pretty biblical standard there for respect and medicine and faith. Those two things don't have to be separate.
0: Yeah. And I even thinking now, uh, Paul instructs Timothy to take wine for a stomach problem. He has, right. He doesn't just say to Timothy, just keep praying. Right. Right. Lacking. He prescribes him something, right. Hey.
2: And and Paul himself says he, um, he has like a thorn in his side that he knows he has to live with. And so he has an understanding that even with faith and prayer, there are going to be some conditions that um, in the human experience stick around and hurt. And so I think personally, my My own take on this is that Paul may have struggled with anxiety or depression, and that is not biblical. I'm not a theologian, but it does he does have some type of systemic issue that he says, this is something I'll live with forever, so I'm going to lean into God. I'm like, hey, that's relatable to me. I'm going to be living with anxiety and depression forever, but it's the thorn in my side that keeps me really pushing into him.
0: I really like that. And actually, as I'm thinking, you know what I could see Paul saying and writing today, I am a holy hot mess. <laughs>
2: oh, he was the worst of these, right? That's what he said.
0: Yeah, yeah I, think, I, I think if
2: the phrasing works back there, I think Paul might would have said it too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How do we get to a place where we can be like you and share this and be ourselves and just be out there and be that holy hot mess?
2: Vulnerability is something that takes discretion and time. And I would say, um, of course, I'm like the biggest proponent of therapy, 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 therapy for any of your trauma and hurt. It is so good to talk to people. Um, it's also biblical to seek counsel um, and wise counsel. And so for me, um, it's taken five to 10 years of working through certain issues to be able to share them um, safely and confidently. And so you kind of have to figure out like what's safe for me to share. Where am I? Where is my confidence right now? Do I feel vulnerable when I put this out there or do I feel empowered? Um, And start with what feels empowering. Share share that mess. Make people feel less alone with that mess. Um, But it is your story. You get to own it and decide when to share it.
1: Who are you hoping to reach with this book?
2: Um, Honestly, I think what my ideal audience would be, and I think these are the people that are grabbing it, are people who love Jesus um, or are curious about Christianity, but maybe feel out of place in the corporate church, um, maybe have a little bit of church hurt, maybe come to the table limping a little bit. Um, those are my people. And I do talk in, in the book about how it's so important for us to remain plugged in with the corporate church. But I, you know, I do also acknowledge that there's a lot of hurt with people who are raised sometimes in, in that environment. And so that's my group. Those are the folks that need to come and read the book. The ones that are like, hey, I love Jesus, but like, where do I fit in here?
0: Holy hot messes out now. I can't wait to read this. I think I can't wait to read it with my wife. Uh, Sounds like a great book to read together and laugh and learn. Uh, Can buy it anywhere. Tell us how we can stay up to date with you, though, and follow along and laugh along with you and, and learn with you
2: well i would yeah y'all come over here and, and also share your experiences and teach me i am on facebook all you have to do is really type in my name mary katherine backstrom and i my page is the one with the blue check so don't go to the one of the weird pages where they're giving away <laughs> yes. millions of dollars i promise that's not me <laughs>
0: If you uh, go there now at the page with the blue check, you can read all about butt hands and what that is. <laughs> You're not going to regret it.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Parenting is its own hot mess. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Looking forward to having you on again sometime. Thank you so much, MK.
1: Thank you. And thank you so much for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.